0: Welcome to Strictly Business, the podcast in which we talk with some of the brightest minds working in media today. I'm Andrew Wallenstein with Variety. While the pandemic has made making movies and TV shows pretty difficult, a set of innovations known as virtual production has enabled many shoots to continue, even when the actors are in a different location than the director. And a big part of who's keeping Hollywood at the cutting edge is actually a gaming company, creator of the global phenomenon, Fortnite. Joining me today from Epic Games, from business development for film and television, is Miles Perkins and the head of its L.A. lab, Connie Kennedy. It's all coming up today on this episode of Strictly Business.
1: AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic.
2: Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers
0: Welcome back to Strictly Business, where my guests are Miles Perkins and Connie Kennedy of Epic Games. We're going to talk in a bit about Epic's Unreal Engine, the software that is the secret sauce powering a lot of the virtual production that has been put to use for TV shows like HBO's Westworld, His Dark Materials, and the film John Wick 3. But before we get to Unreal, I want my guests to help me break down for the listeners in as jargon-free a manner as possible— just what virtual production is, because as I've studied it, it's it's not any one thing, and it has many implications for transforming the traditional production process. So, Miles, get us started. Can you sort of lay out a uh, an idea of what virtual production is?
4: Sure. Yeah, I, I think that the, the techniques that have been behind virtual production have been around for a long time. Whether we're talking about previs, um, uh, animatics. Um, We have some pitch biz kind of things. All of these things were, how do you visualize? How do you very quickly get to a visualization of an idea? But you kind of start to fast forward. And what what essentially happened is between hardware and software, things started lining up in such a way where you no longer had to wait for things to render. So we've gotten to a point where we can have, and this is kind of what I say virtual production is, it's a bridge between what is physical and what is virtual. The two things can live in the same space. You can start in a virtual and transition into the physical in the way that you would use your normal filmic vocabulary. Um, and you don't have to switch all of these modes all the time. So that, to me, that's virtual production. And, and it encompasses uh, pre viz there's, of course, Pitch Viz, there's Stunt Viz, um, there's the in camera visual effects that are there. Um, there are people who are doing Post Viz or Final Pixel. All of this is a part of virtual production. And then, as you pointed out, the amazing ability to do these things remotely, yet feel like you're in the same space as if you're actually on a physical set, but you're actually operating in a virtual set. That, that's what virtual
0: production is. So let's ground this in, in some actual examples. Let's talk about uh, a production that happened, I don't know, a month ago, six months ago, uh, that employed some uh, part of virtual production tools.
4: Yeah, absolutely. So um, one of the things that happens is you start to shift where instead of everybody in, in, in the past the, the crew would come, they get to the set, and they would shoot, for example, green screen. And the DP has no idea what the lighting is gonna be, like nothing has really been decided about this shot, so they light it flat and they move forward. Well, in a virtual production scenario, what they're gonna do is they're gonna create the content that they would have created in post. They're gonna create that in pre. They're going to create that right up top, just as they're setting, uh, 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 they're you know, designing the stage, they're going to be also designing the virtual environment so that when they get onto the stage, the, the director of photography and the director are actually interfacing with the, the actor as if they're actually there in a physical space. Yet, if they're on an LED wall, or even if they're doing a live composite, they're actually seeing what this is going to ultimately be. Um, so, you know, in, in the case of, uh, I use a great example of some of the stunt viz people, um, and their ability to, before they even get to the stage, they know exactly the measurements. They know exactly the lights that they're going to need. They know what they're going to do before they ever got there, even to the point of they're able to lens things so that when they get onto the set, they're just executing at that point or. They're really starting to um, a little bit more explore the performance rather than having to work about on all the technical issues. So this is happening today and, and, and also happening in remote scenarios, you know, where you have people who are in their own homes, yet they're acting as if they're actually on the set yet on their computer. So when they do get to the set, they, they feel like they've already been there before.
0: So this sounds like a, a quantum leap in the ability of production to do all sorts of things that not that they couldn't do it before, but it's just so much more efficient. It sounds like.
4: It is a quantum leap. It is. This is, I think, you know, to be honest with you, I, uh, early in my career, I worked at ILM and I walked into, uh, the C theater at the time, um, when we were doing the Jurassic park test, the first test that showed that we could use computer graphics Um, uh, Spaz Williams, Steve Williams, and Mark DePay, and Wes Takahashi, all these guys, um, they had kind of gone rogue, and they put this up. And when I walked in, and I saw it, you know, your knees kind of buckled, because you were like, okay, this is going to change things forever. And in fact, it did. I, when I won the Mandalorian, when I walked onto that set, I had the same feeling. I had the feeling that this just changed the entire industry. This is a, a quantum uh, uh, leap ahead. And and ultimately what it did is it got rid of all the byproducts that came from CGI, all the waiting, all the notes that get passed, all the five dimensional chess that you have to play in order to, to, to get the ultimate in image and not even being able to iterate on things as a whole, rather in parts. So if we get rid of all that, now you're just able to interface with the image or with the story in the same way that you would on set. That is just a mind-blowing idea.
5: Yeah, and I would add to that that I, I think one of the most important things is that we no longer have to compartmentalize the process. We're able to put everybody in the same room now. You used to have to wait for months in order to find out what was happening in post, whether that was going to work. Um, it was something that almost was like two separate movies. Um, now everything's, you're able to iterate in real time, collaborate in real time with everybody on the set at one time. And that's because we'll, we have the tools now, the technology to and the software to bring everything together onto the stage. And that's what's making this really exciting, is that we can do this in real time.
0: Connie, you run the LA Lab. What is that? Uh, and and talk about what it's like nowadays in terms of evangelizing this kind of production at a time due to COVID that so many people are seeing the usual practices disrupted.
5: I think what this is done is it's, you know, by... By bringing people together virtually <laughs> which all of us are doing now um we've it's given us time for reflection it's given us time to learn and to start to reassess the way in which we're working together and i i think that there you know it, it used to be that people would think that this kind of technology was replacing something it's not instead it's adding something to what we're doing it's it's um giving us the opportunity say for example if you do go on location and certainly as we get back into production there's going to be some hesitancy with that you might do some of your location work where you're able to um, determine that it's it's safe and it's going to work Um, and then you could take that onto an ICB effects stage, and you could do all your pickups, you could could do everything that you might have to go back to that location to get. There's all kinds of things that we're adding now to the toolkit to be able to create um, television and film and other kinds of media in ways that are um, providing an efficiency, cost effectiveness, and just logistical solutions. That are helping everyone.
4: I want to add on to one thing that she just said because I just saw something just the other day. Um, It was a pickup. It was a pickup that they needed for editorial to make the story work. And they just needed to pick up a few lines of someone who was in a car driving. And the image that I saw was someone sitting in a folding chair with the steering wheel of whatever the model was that they were actually driving. They had a door which was like from a, you know, maybe they got it from the wrecking yard or something like that. And then they had two headrests on C-stands and they were able to get that shot and, and just have the, and they could book it at any time, anytime the actor could make it, sat down in the chair, picked up those couple lines. You're not going to know the difference between whether he was actually in the car or not. And that's just like, to me, that's phenomenal. That's that's incredible that that we can do. And exactly as, as Connie was saying, it's just, it's changing the paradigm.
0: But when you change the paradigm, it sounds, and I think Connie alluded to this, that there's going to be some disruption that people who are used to doing their jobs one way or companies who have a vested interest in things going a certain way could have issues with that. So uh, are, are we going to see, as we often see in Hollywood when new technology hits, uh, that, you know, it's gonna take some smoothing over to get this to where it needs to be? Well,
4: I'm eternally the optimist. So just to, so let me, let me preface it by saying that. Um, what I actually think is going on is, you, you do have some people that like to paint by numbers. And the paint by numbers is gonna be a challenge. You have those other people that like puzzles, and they like to figure things out, and you know that reminds me a lot of kind of the you know 80s, 90s, and and things like that as we're trying to figure out what this can can really be. So for some people, you're right, this, this is going to be a bit of a challenge. That um, you know, there's some people, you, you the creative process, some people can't make the decision in the moment, and so deferring it is better for them. Now that said, I want to say that being able to have a DP actually come and really light something, not have to just light it flat. Like they actually get to contribute to real lighting in the previous stage. I mean, as pages are coming off of, you know, from the, the writer, they're actually able to start that visualization. And, you know, the, the other part of this is um, the barrier to entry is extremely low for this. It, the, the Unreal Engine is free. So anyone can download it. Um, you, there are assets that can use to, to start to do kind of previs. I, I'm, I'm hearing of DPs right now that are taking this up so that they can kind of visualize shots for free. All they need is their gaming computer to do it, right? And, and so what, what this means, though, is that I'm seeing people in other departments pick this up. So set design. I'm seeing some set design people that you know, have traditionally been collecting things that are in the physical space, also having a person or two on uh, in Unreal, creating that same thing that they have physically so that they can have, but when they come to the stage, they're bringing both things to the stage and and contributing in the virtual space just as they, they do in the physical space and bringing that talent that they have because, I mean, they have years and years of expertise and how to set up a, a stage and how to block something out, they're able to bring that talent now into the virtual space as well. And then the same thing for those people who are, have been typically on the, in the post-production side, they're coming forward. And now all of a sudden, they're able to be on set in some situation. It is a change, but I'm, I am really optimistic at the change that's coming. It's not more technical. It's, it's less technical so that we can have the same conversation that we've been having for 100 years in, in how to make film and how to block out shots.
5: And I think what's really important now is that we're kind of breaking down these barriers and and demystifying the process because there's so, so much about the tools that is a, a, making it possible for people who have been separated in production and post and they're now coming together and we're blending the two worlds. And what this means is that just like Miles is saying, say a production designer has to design sets now that will blend from physical to virtual. And that's something where you need to understand how these assets are being built to a certain extent in order to know how to create the physical set so that, that it's a seamless process. And I think what that's doing is just adding a level of creativity to the whole process. It's attracting people that, that may have assumed that they were not able to be in production and now they have a place in production. And it's really exciting that we're finally breaking down that barrier between posts and production.
0: We need to take a quick break, but we'll be back more with our guests, Miles Perkins and Connie Kennedy of Epic Games.
2: Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This
3: summer, click into Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot and get after those outdoor projects with some serious cordless power from Ryobi. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. Leaves and debris are no match for the 40-volt power of the Ryobi leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Tidy up those flower beds and keep your walkways looking sharp with Ryobi's 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Yard work done and done. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at your cordless power source, The Home Depot. Shop now at The Home Depot or homedepot.com. How doers get more done.
0: And we're back with Miles Perkins and Connie Kennedy of Epic Games. Uh, They referenced earlier work on The Mandalorian. And back on this podcast in October 2019, director Jon Favreau came on to talk about his work on that Disney Plus series and Epic's role in it. Let's have a quick listen.
3: Part of what we're exploring is uh, is using game engine real-time rendering. Uh, because with all the compositing that we're doing, we could either do it in-camera using video walls. We're we're the first production to actually take advantage of innovations that have been taking place. In this case, we're working with ILM and with uh, Epic Unreal Engine, with Magnopus, a lot of people that I've worked with before on other projects. And we try to create uh, a new way to use this real-time rendering where you can actually do in-camera effects on video walls with uh, camera tracking and parallax.
0: Miles, how did Epic come to get involved in this? I mean, did the company understand from the very beginning in terms of its gaming engine what the implications were and and saw Hollywood coming from the second it was invented or uh, how did we get here?
4: Well, there's a there's a little secret here. Uh, Do tell. <laughs> um so the, the the first part of this is the Unreal engine was used actually um when I was back at ILM on AI back in 91. So,
0: you know- That's the Steven Spielberg movie? Exactly. Got it. Yeah,
4: um, AI artificial intelligence, yes. And it was just to kind of figure out what was going to ultimately be built on the, in the model shop um, to kind of visualize where he, how he wanted to block out his shots in Rouge City. So there's always been this awareness within the uh, community that, hey, wait a minute, this game engine stuff, not only are you able to render fast, but game engines also have this if-then kind of programming. If I move this chair, that flock of birds is going to fly away. So that's kind of been in the background. Now, the CTO of our company, Kim Library is also someone who I've worked with for about 15 or so years. He was a visual effects supervisor at Industrial Light and Magic. He's actually one of the people um, uh, on The Matrix, who the original Matrix came up with Bullet Time um, and has worked on numerous other films. Working with Kim has always been something else because Kim is always five, 10 years ahead of everybody else. And and in some ways kind of frustrated in that, like I want to see it right now. And so he landed at at, uh, Epic Games as the CTO at this time, where he could take the game engine and make it look photoreal, so naturally, um, as Kim is, you know, having conversations with Colin Wilson and and the other members of the team um, there at Lucasfilm, this idea you know, why can't we do it this way? And Dave Filoni also, you know, why can't we do this? So, you know, the test got put together real quick. And the idea really is not just as some sort of a translate or something like that, but it, that it's actually wrapping around. So so all of the, especially on a shiny object, all of the, the reflections are accurate. The lighting is accurate, all of this stuff. So um, that's kind of how it started. And the engine and the hardware and everything was up to the task. And now we find ourselves here with, you know, at that time there was one such stage, and now we're tracking about 135, 140 stages throughout the globe. You know, it's it's just it's been amazing to see it take off. But that was really the germination of this. And the other the other thing I'll say about John Favreau in general. Um, John Favreau is one of those people who is willing. He trusts his the people that he works with. He's willing to take risks. Not only that, but he knows that it's going to be hard work and he knows how to get you there. And that's a, a rare uh, uh quality. There there are a few filmmakers that that have that. But the really neat thing about this is that right now it's not just relegated to those people that are at the top of their field, like the John Favreau or the, um, or the uh, Cameron or, you know, George or any. No, it's not. Actually, right now, because of where we stand and because of Epic's approach to this, we are really trying to democratize as much as possible access to these tools. You know, our, our founder truly believes that you really should not be setting bar- barriers to creativity that should not exist. You should allow people to create and be the best that they could be because the world is gonna be a better place for that. And then there's opportunities to share in the success of great creations.
5: And I think that extends to education, of course. And that's something that we've tried to add to our services through Epic is to offer things like a fellowship program that we started during the pandemic that had a huge response. And I think that's because people are really ready for this. They can see the opportunity and they can see it working. They can see projects that are amazing, like the Mandalorian, and they're excited about trying to put it into practice. So we've combined the free access to the software with support and education. And um, we're creating a... curriculum that we can start to teach all around the world to try and help people get going as soon as possible.
0: And now you're launching a new production hub in, in El Segundo. Uh, tell us a bit about that, Connie.
5: We will have a demo stage for Epic and, um, and that will have a production stage. And a demo stage is where we'd like to bring in clients to look at the at the tools that are used to um, explore the pipeline and to be able to have a hands-on experience with this new technology, which will help people to to determine the type of production that they'd like to to, um, implement depending on the project. All of these tools are specific to different needs. So it takes a while to determine which ones are most appropriate depending on the story and depending on the um, type of production. So I think getting the opportunity to be hands-on is crucial to being able to make those decisions.
4: Yeah, and recent announcement that came out about this campus. um, So Nat Studios has been someone who's been on the scene that runs studios and everything. They're, They're independent of us but they're also an independent stage provider, which, you know, we, we, um, not only them, but there are others that are, that are out there that the other part they were bringing is this sense of a campus, a place where virtual production, there could kind of be a hub in Los Angeles. And so what we decided is we wanted to co-locate, um, our, our, um, our labs there. And the reason being is, you know, that, that is their business to run and everything like that. But um, being able to be close uh, to uh, production stage. And then also, as Connie was saying, you know, being able to have our own demo stage where we can bring filmmakers by, we can do training, you know can really be a hub of where the latest and greatest in virtual production. Not to mention the fact that since this is a campus, it's also attracting other people who, you know, virtual art departments or previous companies, there are all these different people that are interested in being this area. And, you know, for me, it's exciting to see when you have these independent companies coming together to kind of co-locate, to create a space um, that is really where the best ideas are kind of coming out. And I think that when that happens, the entire industry benefits from it because you know we get to go and and we get to work on the next latest and greatest and we know that it's going to be production ready so that when we're working with the studios that they know when they have a tentpole film that they can rely on the technology that's coming to them
5: and i think what's at the core of that concept is that Epic is interested in helping everyone across the board. This isn't something where we are focused on any one company. And the opportunity to help create a community around that notion is really important, like Miles is saying, for the entire industry.
0: So I want to understand, though, from a business perspective, what this means to Epic? Are are you out there licensing the software and making revenue? Is this a material business? I'm I'm sure it's not quite making as much as Fortnite if it is, but uh, I'm trying to understand that.
4: You know, the fact of the matter is you kind of hit on something there, is that we're fortunate enough to not only have Fortnite, but Fortnite is built on the Unreal Engine. And so as we make the Unreal Engine better for not only... Um, for Fortnite, but also for other AAA games. You know, there are many other games that are built on the Unreal Engine. Um, but I think what we, we, we see this future, um, and, and we're starting to see it play out in small part right now, where, you know, if I look at my son, my son doesn't necessarily pick up a remote control to consume his media. He actually uses his gaming console, whether he's watching linear content or he's playing with his friends, and then he's also communicating with them. So I think what we know is that you know right now there's games over here and there's linear content here and there's experiences over here. I think the promise of the Unreal Engine is that you'll be able to create a world that can have implications in linear content, in experiences, and in gaming using the same assets. And so for us, what we're looking at is, you know, some of the greatest ideas come out of film and television and and happen in the Los Angeles areas and and other areas as well, don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, we're seeing amazing stories coming out of some of these other countries. and And what we're trying to do is really create these tools whereby stories can be told in all of these mediums, and we are fortunate enough to have Fortnite, which is helping this. we're also a, a private company so that we can look at the long game in what this is. Um, and you know I, I think again, back to what I was saying before um we just want more and more people to be able to be creative. And we believe that when people are successful in their creativity, everybody is going to be successful.
0: But are you making money on this yet? I, w- I want an answer there. <laughs> uh,
4: so I-, I would say that we're, we're not making money anywhere near what we're making. So actually, I'll, I'll answer more directly. Our business model is um, with gaming, if you use the Unreal Engine, the EULA says that you'll pay 5%. In the film and television space, we get rid of that, and there are no marketing rights. So, literally, anybody can basically use the engine. We don't charge very much right now. So, to answer your question, no, we are not trying to make a lot of money in this area. We believe that the future is going to be successful for everyone and that that the future will be that you're going to see some of these um, filmmakers and storytellers not only tell linear stories, but they're also going to be in the game space. And and we will continue to grow that.
0: The future is also Unreal Engine 5, this uh, next iteration of, of the secret <laughs> sauce. Uh, what What is that going to bring to the table? Is that going to, when does that hit? When does that, what does that change?
4: I can't contain myself. It's so exciting. This next year is going to bring some of the most amazing advancements um, kind of across the board. Um, so um, what is it, Unreal 5, what does it really mean? It means that you're going to be able to do film quality assets and moving around in environments. You're going to be able to, filmmakers will be able to, in essence, play God. Um, And do anything in the engine, and you're not worried about the processing power or anything like that. in In some of these, so if you saw the demo, you can see how close you can get in on these assets, and it looks like a a feature film. Yet it's running on basically a PS five in that case. So it's it's going to be fun. It's going to fundamentally shift the way um, people are making content. Um, and how iterative they're going to be able to be on a near final image.
0: And um, Miles, you also recently completed work on a second edition of the Virtual Production Guide. What What does that do and and what is new?
4: Well, so when I kind of first came into Epic, one of the things I noticed, um, a lot of the colleagues who I'd worked with for a long time who are out there, you know, the third floor and and Halon and some of these other folks. We had brought together a group. And I noticed that the the conversation, they were talking about the same thing when they were talking about virtual production, but they were using different words. They were using different ideas. And so it struck me that we needed something that could kind of have people tell their stories. Tell their experiences, but we could start to standardize on some of the ideas out there. I also always knew that we're in the beginning. And in my experience, when you're in the beginning of something, anything that you printed last year is not going to be accurate anymore by the next year. So um, this new version, if that first one was, you know, roughly 90 some odd pages, we're up in the 150, 170 page range. and a lot of lot more stories from a lot more people who have actually had experience with it. And we get into much more detail about how you employ some of the virtual production techniques.
0: Connie, uh, I want you to look back at uh, 2020, uh, which of course was shadowed greatly by the pandemic. Do you think the arc of... Unreal Engine's work in virtual production would have been different in a more normal year, or is it something that really drove the technology along?
5: I think it's really driven the technology along more so than um, it may have otherwise in some ways, because I think the ability for all of us to trust virtual solutions has changed. I think the fact that we've all gone to work from home, when that was looked at as possibly something that was detrimental to the productivity of many companies has been proven quite the opposite. And I think also, um, you know, techniques of filmmaking have um, maybe been a little resistant to some of these tools. And now I think they're embracing them because it's a solution that's going to get them back into production sooner. So I've noticed a lot of people preparing their projects differently in order to um, to include different aspects of virtual production that they may not have decided to use otherwise. And I think that has... Um, created a different kind of community because everybody needs to support one another in this process there everyone's had different experiences that they can bring to the table and I think there's been a lot more sharing of ideas and collaboration as a result and I think um, I think we're gonna see some really interesting stages set up in the next few months where people are willing to take this risk because they can see that there are so many opportunities to what it has to offer.
0: Terrific. Well, I'm really looking forward to seeing the progress you guys make this year. And thank you both for coming and talking about it.
5: You're welcome.
4: Thank you for having us.
0: This has been another episode of Strictly Business. Tune in next week for another helping of scintillating conversation with media movers and shakers. And please make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear future episodes. Also, leave a review in Apple Podcasts and let us know how we're doing.